There's something on the other side of through, but you have to keep moving and go through it. If you're standing on a threshold, if you feel a yearning to tap into your greatest potential, but you're caught in that fuzzy in-between space of the now and not yet, don't despair. You're being invited to pivot with greater purpose. You're on the thrilling edge of becoming. You are being called to unleash your soul song. I'm Becky Fleischer, and I believe we're all born with a gift that's uniquely ours, our very own soul song. And I discovered on my own journey that when we unleash it into the world, man, does it make life sing. You might express it through writing, science, cooking, nursing, teaching, or some other endeavor. The song is different for each of us, and its expression can change throughout your life. But it can only sing when you're in tune with your truest self. I know you're trying to get things in focus, that you're looking for encouragement and practical tools to illuminate your own personal journey. And that's what you're gonna get here. I'm excited to travel this road with you. Let's get going. Welcome back to another episode of Unleash Your Soul Song. This is Becky Fleischer, your host. I'm so excited that you're here today, and I'm really excited to introduce you to my guest today, Vicki Clark. She is someone I've known for over 10 years, and I've been one of the lucky ones who has learned from her and worked with her. For over 30 years, Vicki has helped leaders lead on, especially in times of transition, and always with the purpose of seeing opportunity. Her mission is to help build the capacity of organizations and individuals, and she does it through an intuitive blend of consulting, coaching, and a bit of tough love that helps her clients move forward with purpose and focus. Professionals, boards, executive directors, they all rely on her as a resource, an accountability partner, facilitator, and coach. She works with nonprofits, branches of the government, faith-based organizations, and private sector organizations, doing training, strategic planning, speaking, group coaching, one-on-one coaching, and consulting with some of the largest organizations around, like Dun & Bradstreet, the National Association of Women Business Owners, the Centers for Disease Control, St. Jude's Hospital, the American Bar Association, the National Conference of State Legislatures, Delta Leadership Institute, Ronald McDonald House Charities, and the United Way, just to name a few. There are so many of us who know and love her and admire her so much. She's a woman who lost it all, only to find how powerful and capable she really was. She's faced two significant life shifts, neither of which she invited in, and she's going to talk about that journey today with us. The first one literally stripped her of everything, her marriage, her job, her mental stability. It's a story of loss that I think a lot of people can relate to right now. But the beauty of that story is that once she was laid bare, a fulfilling, rich life she never could have imagined found her. The second shift came more recently when COVID brought the world to a halt. Vicky made her living on the road, and when everything shut down, she had to pivot quickly to move her business online. And as a self-described technically challenged older boomer, that was a task that could have shut her down completely. But it didn't. She created an online community called Let's Talk About It and Do Something that was intended to be an experience for women looking to level up and sharpen their leadership skills, But that all changed when Breonna Taylor and George Floyd were killed. Once again, the winds of change came sweeping in, and Vicki faced yet another pivotal moment. You're going to hear about the ways she has learned that none of us can do this alone, and how she came to accept and ask for help, something that can be really hard for us to do. 
she shares with us a powerful piece of advice that helped her to fully release what was holding her back and then what came once she did. Vicki has seen time and time again how sometimes you have to just let the universe lead you so that you can lead on. Get ready for a serious dose of inspiration and insight as Vicki Clark talks to us about unleashing her soul song. Vicki Clark, my heart is bursting because I am just so grateful for each and every moment that I get to spend with you. Thank you for being here today. So glad to be here. Thank you. This is exciting. It is. We have so much ground to cover today. I feel like we never have enough time. So let's just jump right in and get going. I have already told everyone a little bit about your professional background, but I wonder if you would share your personal journey with us because your story you've shared with me before it's one that I think that so many people can relate to right now as, you know, COVID's really pulled the rug out from under the feet of so many people and served up some life changes that they haven't asked for and they might not feel equipped to deal with, but you've been there, you've come back. And so I, I wonder if you would just tell us a little bit about your journey. Well, I'm happy to, and I'm always happy to, to share my journey because I hope that it will inspire somebody or help somebody, you know, people see you and they think you got your life all together. Well, I thought I was living the American dream. I had a great job in Washington, D.C., working for a national nonprofit. Uh, my then husband was working for a major oil company. We had two sons. We were living in the suburbs in Houston. Uh, my mom uh, was with us. And all of a sudden, uh, in 1998, it all came crashing down. It, the whole world just stopped. My mom became very, very ill. My husband, I'd been married over 25 years, decided he didn't want to be married anymore and gave me a letter Ooh. just before I was going in to take care of my mom, who at that time needed 24-hour care. And uh, it was just all a little bit too much for me. Then my mom passed away. All this happened within six months. And I will be honest with you, Becky, I just, I lost it. I went to the doctor one day. I couldn't stop crying. And then I finally stopped crying. And I said, okay, I'm going to go now. And he said, well, no, no, you're not going. I'm going, you need to go someplace to take care of you. I was trying to take care of my boys. Don't forget, my kids were 16 and I think 21. Their lives had been totally upended. Their grandmother was dead. Their father had made this decision. Um, it was an awful time. And the doctor said, no, you need to go someplace where we can take care of you. And I said, no, I have all these things to do, you know, because I had my to-do list, you know, even in the midst of all the madness, I still had my to-do list. Of course, you're a mom. You can't stop, right? Exactly. And he said no. And so I was hospitalized and I went to a psychiatric hospital and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And I was there for almost two months and I spent lots of time. I said, well, what's wrong with me? And he said, you have PTSD. And I said, PTSD, I've never been in a war. He said, lady, your life is a war. Mm. And I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about that. First of all, I can't control everything. I'm not responsible for everything. All those things that I was carrying that were, you know, just weighing me down had stopped me in my tracks. And I learned a lot. And, and I'm, I'm very, very grateful uh, that experience but I was carrying what a lot of women were carrying and I remember one day while I was in the hospital you know you go to your sessions and all of that and the doctor said it's raining 
And I said, yes. And he said, um, I wanted to do some things outside this afternoon. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. And he said, well, I'm very upset with you because it's raining. And I'm like, what? I, and, and I said to him, why are you upset with me? I don't control the rain. He said, well, you control, you told, you've been telling me for the past three weeks that you control life and death. That if you had done different, better by your mother, she wouldn't have died. That if you had done different in your marriage, that your husband wouldn't have made the decision. And that, you know, if you had been a better parent, your boys wouldn't be so, you know, you know dis disoriented now. So I just assumed that since you control everything, that you control the rain. And I said to him, that's ridiculous. And he said, that's what I've been trying to tell you. You don't control everything. People make choices. Life moves on. Things happen. And it's just how do we deal with them? And we can't take all of it on ourselves. And that was kind of when it turned for me because I was carrying all of that. And then when I tried to go back to my big job in Washington, that I always thought was the best job that I'd ever had. They don't kind of want you back after you've been to the psychiatric hospital. Oh, they just no. treat you a little different. So after I came off, you know, uh, medical leave and I tried to go back, it just wasn't the same. <laughs> so that ended. And uh, that was another kind of downer like, okay, everything that I identified with, you know, being married, being a daughter, my father was still alive and that was a good thing. And that's why I came to Memphis. But most of what I had identified as was gone. In a short amount of time, in a really short time. Oh gosh, time. within six months. I remember my birthday that year was great. I mean, I had no clue. You know, we had a great, you know, like birthday dinner and flowers and everything. And it was toward the end of June. And then by, I think my mom died the 29th of December oh, and gosh. after that it was just like you know that's when I kind of lost <laughs> yeah absolutely I mean we all do identify so much with the external things in our life we mm -hmm. define ourselves by our marriage by our kids by our work mm -hmm. um, and so when those things go away which for so many people right now a lot of the way they've identified themselves, it's going away. And that's so, so hard to feel where to go next or to even be able to see that first step. Thank goodness that your doctor didn't let you leave that office. I mean, yes. thank goodness that doctor said, you need to go somewhere, you need to get some help. And I think that's an amazing first step. So you spent some time uh, helping yourself. What was that time period? You, you had a down period, you know, you were kind of- Oh my gosh, yeah. Working Once on yourself. Once I came home, and then you're in the outpatient program, you know, where you go in, uh, first you go in like every day, then you go in, you know, like three times a week, but it was still tough. I have about four friends that I've had since I was a child, and they've always been there for me. I'm an only child, so my four close friends have been like two men and two women, aunts and uncles to my kids, and one came from Chicago, and the one from Chicago is the no-nonsense no one. He drove all the way from Chicago to Houston and he kept, you know, saying to me, oh no, you're not just going to lay around here. You know, we're going to get up. We're going to do things. He, he stayed with us for about three weeks. And so I had a lot, I had that kind of support. Then there were friends who would call and things like that. And so I just started easing back, but I didn't know what my life was going to be like because I didn't really have much of a life, yeah. you know? And so once I decided that I was going to re-enter, it was like re-enter what? And that's when I made the decision to move to Memphis. And because my dad was here and two of my good friends were here, but I still didn't know what I was going to do. I was just looking for comfort, I think. You're looking you know? for your support system. Your, yeah, your I was net. looking for my support system. It took me a long time to make the move. 
because I would think about it, do two or three things, back it up, sit on it for a month. You know, people kept calling. So when my dad, so are you coming? Are you moving? What are you doing? And then finally, I got up the energy to make the move. The one thing my dad wanted to make sure of, my dad was a very independent person. My mom had needed a lot of care. She had had health issues for a long time. He wanted to be sure that I knew that he didn't need to be taken care of. And I said to him, did you ever think that I came here so that you could take care of me? The idea, you talked about your friends, you know, the, your yes. friend came from Chicago. Yes. I mean, there had to have been a period, just like you just said with your dad, did you ever think that I was coming here for you to help me? It's hard for people to say, to say to others, you know, I need a hand. I, I need yeah. a little help here. And I don't even know what kind of help to ask for because I'm so in the, the dark. It, and one thing I will say that if, if someone knows someone who's going through something, I can remember, and this was when everybody had answering machines, I wouldn't answer the phone. Mm -hmm. I would hear people's voices, but I will tell you this, hearing their voices saying, hi, I'm just calling to check on you. You know, I miss you or I love you or I'm thinking about you or I'm praying for you. It, just do it. Don't worry that they don't answer. Don't, because maybe they can't answer because you don't right. know what to say. You know what I'm saying? So if you, know, if you need to leave people a message or leave them a text, don't think that because they don't respond that they don't appreciate it. Sometimes you just get paralyzed and you don't know what to say. And as much as I talk, when I get to the point where I don't know what to say, I know I'm in trouble, babe. <laughs> and I was there for a yeah. while where, and I, but I would hear the voices, you know, hi, just calling thinking about you and it meant so much. And then I play those, you know, play them back and listen, but I could not reach out. First of all, I felt like I didn't have anything to offer. And I realize now that in a real friendship, you don't always have to have something to offer that you, it's okay to take and it's okay to receive. And then after I came here, my other friend who has had lots of struggles in her life and who her faith and her spirituality is so strong. She said to me, you're holding on. Mm -hmm. You're still holding on to what was. You're holding on to it way too tight. Because I guess when I would talk, I guess that'd be all I would talk about. And she said something to me that I'll never forget. She said, there is something on the other side of through. And you just got to go through. I, I mean, I, that stays with me. I mean, to think about it, it's like over 20 years. There's something on the other side of through. But you have to keep moving and go through it. Yes. Released some things. I kept talking about that job, talking about that job and thing. And she said, there is something else for you. I don't know what it is. You don't know what it is, but you're never going to get it as long as you continue to hold on to what was. Oh, so true. I got goosebumps when you just said that. And she, when she gave me that, it was another release point for me. And then people started calling saying, would you like to come and make a presentation? Could you provide a training? Or I've been, we've been looking for you. That was an interesting, that one call I got to a group that I had worked with uh, before. Well, we've, we've been looking for you. And I'm like, looking for me? Why is anybody looking for me? And I was, I thought they were looking for me because they thought I worked at the other job. And they said, no, 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 you know, you did something for us and we work with independent training. I was like, oh, oh. So I had no idea that I was in business. I didn't know that. I, it, it came to me. And that's I'm amazing. Forever. And that's how I met you. That's right. That is how we met. And that's, yeah. I do want to talk about that pivot that you made when you moved to Memphis and your friend giving you that wise advice about there's something on the other side of through, you have to get through that kind of letting go and shedding the things to, so that you can move forward. And 
when you just said that about the company reached out to you and said, we've been looking for you. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes people's lives, the, the things they're intended to do can't, it's like the opportunities can't find them because they have covered themselves up with doubt, with fear, with holding on, with regret, with any number of things. And so it's like the world can't work with you when, you've, when you're hiding yourself. So tell us about when you got to Memphis and things started coming to you. Or we're in places that are toxic and we don't have sense enough to get out of it. And the same friend says to, to, cause I kept saying, using the words like rejected, I was rejected. She said, you weren't rejected. You were relieved. Nice. You were nice. relieved. Cause I kept thinking of it as very negative. They rejected me, you know, he rejected me. She said, no, no, you were relieved and released so that you would be open to what you're saying is to what the universe has to offer you. And just those, the difference in being rejected, kicked to the curb, and then being relieved and released <laughs> to be able to be open to what the universe has for you, it changed the way I was thinking. Oh, yeah, that's powerful. That's a really powerful flip of a lens, right? You're exactly right. When you got to Memphis, you said people had been looking for you. Tell us what they were looking for you. What were they looking for you to do? Well, they were looking for me to, to be, um, to do training and to do consulting. And a woman that I had met who was very involved in literacy movement uh, in Houston, uh, Margaret Dowdy, who's an amazing person. She was putting a consortium together of consultants to begin to start literacy coalitions around the country. And she said, so are you interested? And I'm like, yeah, I think this will be way cool, you know. And then, of course, I had to go through, are you sure you want me? Because I can imagine that. She said, no, she was putting a group together. She wanted me to do the capacity building pieces around developing boards for the literacy programs and things like that. And there was somebody who was going to do the evaluation. And, and, and we became, you know, a, a, a consortium. And that was great. And then other organizations that I had worked with at the other place were then calling. I had no idea that they worked with independent consultants or trainers because I was just doing my job. And that's kind of the way it opened up. When, when she called you and asked if you wanted to do that, and you said, you know, you had that moment of, well, are you sure, are you sure that you want me? You said yes. that. So was it, were you having your own kind of bout with imposter syndrome thinking, am I really a trainer? Am I a consultant? Of course, my thing was Chris told Margaret that our lives fell apart. Margaret feels sorry for me. That's why she's called. Yeah, I can go to those places. Mm-hmm. You know, can't we all? Margaret, can't Margaret, we all? Yeah, Margaret called me because she feels sorry for me. And she said, no, 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 you're the one I want. So, I mean, just hearing that just so important, but I never thought of myself as in, first of all, I'm relational. So I always think of thought of myself as working within a system or within a group. Mm-hmm. You know, I liked working with people. And so the concept of working on my own, it, it, it wasn't something, you know, I love it when people say, let me show you my business plan. Let me show you how, I, you know, people have asked me, how did you do this? Specifically, younger women, they'll say things like, so Vicki, what was your business plan? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my life fell apart and I lost my job and I lost my marriage and I lost my mind. And I went to Memphis and had to start over again. And they look at me like, oh, okay, that's not it, you know. <laughs> like, I don't like that business plan. <laughs> right, yeah, they're like, uh, okay, nice to meet you. Uh, no, I did not have a business plan of saying I'm going to go, you know, become an independent trainer and a consultant. I did not have that. Uh, I was inordinately fortunate and blessed to have it. It kind of, I was doing it before I realized I was doing it. 
Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like I could make a decision about it. The decision was made for me. And that's one of the things, Becky, that I have learned as I've gotten older. Sometimes you just let the universe guide you. For, you know, because I was going to do what everybody else in Memphis does. I guess I was going to go apply for a job at FedEx. I don't know what I was going to do. But you have to be open, no matter what your plan is. You know, some people say, if you want to make God laugh, tell him what plan you have for your life. Right. And so I, at that point, though, I really didn't have a plan. And so I was open to what what came. And the one thing that I will say, I never say no. I am willing to try almost anything. I'm willing to try it. I don't have much of a sense of failure. I just, if we try it and it works out fine, if it doesn't, what did I learn from it? You know, and and when I look back on the the job that I put so much into, uh, I realize now that it prepared me, you know, for where I am now in, in ways I learned a lot. I also learned a lot what I didn't want to, you know, what I didn't like or what I didn't want to do. I think that that's the key. I think that approaching life as a big experiment where you can't fail because you're always going to be getting information, right? That's either going to work or that's not going to work. And if it doesn't work, you know, we try something else. And I know I always try to do my best. I'm a human being. I'm not a perfectionist. I'm always a work in progress. And I approach the world as a learner not an expert. So I'm, when I work with a group or when I work with people, I have as much to learn from them as they have to learn from me. Well, and that is what makes you so relatable and it makes you such an effective teacher and facilitator because you do approach it as a learner and you approach all of your things, any workshop I've ever been in with you, any conversation I've ever had with you, you've always approached it as we're all in this together. You know, I may have a little more information that I can share with you, but you're going to have a different way of looking at it and a different way of implementing it and the way it plays out in your life that I'm going to learn from. The other thing is I meet, I try to meet people, individuals, but I also try to meet groups where they are. Mm-hmm. I don't have one idea in my head of what an organization or a company or somebody's life should look like. I try to meet you where you are and honor who you are and what you've done and where you are, and I'm okay with that. And then we just start from there, whether I'm work, whether I'm coaching or whether I'm training or whether I'm facilitating or whatever it is. And I'm not trying to turn one organization into another organization or turn one person into another person. I really value people for who they are, where they are. And same thing with organization. In that vein of meeting people where they are, you're doing some amazing work right now that I think a lot of people shy away from because it's a, it's a hard topic to talk about uh, diversity, inclusion, equity, all of those things that you are deep into right now. So let's talk about that latest pivot in your life, right? So we covered a major life pivot. Your life completely fell apart, how you had to let go of every identifying factor that you hung your whole being on and you had to rebuild and start again and you did. And recently you had to do it again. I mean, I bet you probably thought you were never going to have to go through two major pivots like that in your life. But here comes COVID and you are a trainer like we were just talking about. You're on the road almost 300 days a year. That, is that right? Up until March 12th, I had been on the road for probably over 20 years for 300 days a year. You know, because most of my work was in person. And then it was like, okay, what does this mean? And along came Zoom, you know, and, and, and Microsoft Teams and all of these things and people saying we're going to do our conferences virtually or we're going to do things uh, online. And then I was like, oh, see, again, I didn't plan it. 
and and then another amazing woman, young woman came into my life, uh, Chayla Sanchez, who has been, you know, just kind of been we've been talking before and she was saying to me, we should do this. Maybe you should do this. And I kept saying, you know, I'm on the road. I don't have time to do all this. And then I did. She's been helping me to re revamp the way I do my work. But I can tell you that a lot of my work is still repeat work and we're just doing it, you know, via Zoom or whatever. But the racial bias work is something that I never expected. You know, I've always done training on diversity, equity, inclusion. And I was a teenager when uh, Dr. King was killed. I lived right, I was, you know, right here in this house, which is 20 minutes away from what was the Lorraine Motel. Mm -hmm. And I think we all thought, people my age, older boomers, that when the laws changed, when the laws changed in 65, when the laws changed in 68, and when the world opened up, I never thought we'd be back at this time. And I think we all got a little bit too comfortable. And when I say we, I'm not talking about people of color, I'm talking about people of conscience we got very comfortable. The world opened up. I'm telling you, you know, I had a nice job. My husband had a nice job. We were living in the suburbs, you know, all of this stuff was going on, but there was still stuff going on. The systems have to change. And after Mr. Floyd was killed and my maiden name is Floyd. And when they kept talking about Mr. Floyd, I kept hearing them talk about my dad. Mm. And it was, it was kind of like someone has said, um, when the ancestors are calling you and they're calling you, I mean, I had not planned. I had started online coaching for women's groups at that time. And when Mr. Floyd was killed and I, I didn't know how to do Facebook live, I'm gonna be honest, you know, and I didn't know anybody would be listening. And I just wanted to, to say what was on my heart. You know, first of all, I think as, as an older boomer, maybe we failed you all, the younger people, because we didn't keep talking about this. We didn't keep it moving. And we didn't pay it. I don't think we paid enough attention to what was going on. And that's how it started. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. As you said, my trainings were always about, at that time, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And now, Becky, I'm talking about racism. I'm talking about equity. I'm talking about privilege. I'm talking about bias. It is time to ratchet this conversation up mm -hmm. um, because, and not merely because of what happened to Mr. Floyd and Breonna Taylor. I mean, we don't have time to sit here and, and list all these names, but this never stopped. And so the idea that maybe I could have some influence, I don't know. I have, I have no idea, but I had to rethink what I was talking about and I had to be brave. Now, let me tell you, there is a consequence to it because when you start talking about things in a different way, people are accustomed to you being one way. And then when you start actually talking about things in a different way, it was like, oh, will the people who worked with me still want to work with me? But it kept pulling on my heart and my mind and my soul that I had to ratchet up the conversation. I'm not confrontational. I wanna keep the conversation open, but I, I have to say, racism is real. You know, this is not merely about diversity and we need to talk about privilege and we need to say, how are we gonna use our privilege and that we all have biases and how are we gonna work those biases and what are we gonna do? And that it is some systems work and these systems needs to change. And again, I can't go out there and protest. I'm at the top of the list for COVID. <laughs> you know, because of my age and, and other situations. But I thought if I can sit here and talk about things and maybe bring an online community of people together who will share resources and books and articles and their own thinking, maybe that can help. So yeah. 
you know, yeah. again, I was drawn into this. And then when I found out that Breonna Taylor and I had the same birthday, mm -hmm. I mean, of course, many, many years apart, I was like, okay, you know, I don't have to be knocked in the head. This is yeah. the right thing to do at this time. Absolutely. No, you were being you were being called forward in so many ways. And I remember watching because you and I are friends on Facebook. And I remember watching when you had to stop traveling and you started your online community for the training. Vicki invited me to the group. I was like so excited to be part of it. She had some training things going on. And then when all of this happened, it was really George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, those two incidents specifically. We were all home and it was quiet and still, and we had time to actually, whether you wanted to or you didn't want to, you had to look at it. You had to see what was happening. You had to see it. You had to see, you it. Had to see it. You didn't have an option. There was enough distractions, I guess. Life slowed down enough that it took away the distractions and we got some 2020 vision of what's going on, right? And it shook, I know it shook me, it shook a lot of people in a way that it didn't before, which is embarrassing and just humiliating to say that, that that didn't shake me as hard before as it did this year. But it did shake me this year. And I remember looking at you and looking at your group and you did, you got on Facebook Live and thank goodness that you listened to that tug that pull of your heart that said, I can't control the outcome here, but I have to say this. I have to start doing this. And you did. And that community, that Facebook community, I don't know how many people you started with before you started that Facebook Live. It was maybe, I mean, several hundred. I mean, you have a, a, a huge following, but it exploded. Yeah. I mean, it exploded almost overnight. I put something on my Facebook, you know, anyone who would like to be part of this group is welcome to be part of this group. And I have over 50 friends that joined it that day, that day alone to watch your community explode in the ripple of you speaking from your deepest truth and what you felt called to do was beautiful. The whole thing is tragic that we have to kind of go back and unlearn to relearn. Yeah, the unlearning, this, what you're talking about is transformation. And it's been painful because mm -hmm. I had to relive things that had happened to my father, things that had happened to my sons. I have two sons, things that I hope never happened to my grandson. But I, when I went back, I had to start telling those stories. I mean, I knew this was all part of, you know, my reality. But the idea that those stories would help other people because I think people always think that these things happen to somebody else, but they've happened to me in my life. I remember my first job in the 70s uh, in St. Louis. They said to me, you probably don't want to act too black. I wasn't sure what that meant. Again, I, I, I'm blessed. You know, my, my kids have had, they've been stopped. Uh, they've never been hurt. Uh, thank goodness. They've been humiliated. My sons have been humiliated. Don't get me wrong. They've been threatened, but they have never been physically hurt. But I mean, what we're learning now that all of this trauma over the years of being scared to drive, making sure you all your lights are working, making sure that, you know, it, it, it just builds trauma up in your system. And that's what has happened to so many people. I talked to a young man from Connecticut the other day. He told me he's been stopped 98 times by the police in his life. He keeps he keeps track of it. He's probably in his 40s. And since he's been a teenager, he's been stopped 98 times. 
That's shocking. I mean, when you just said he was in his 40s, did you see my face? I know yeah, people who are listening this, can't hear, see right, my this face. This is but, not somebody, this didn't happen in 1960. Right. This didn't happen in 1950. This, 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 now. this, this is a young man, youngish man, and he works for a nonprofit and he goes between Connecticut and New Jersey. In fact, he works for a therapeutic place. And he told me he's been stopped 98 times in his entire, his whole life. Wow. You said something earlier about how this work, you know, this, the way I knew you, the trainings I have been in with you before 2020 were diversity, inclusion, equity. That's how, you know, you would approach it before, which made it very, you know, they were always very helpful and they were always very insightful and they did, they helped organizations and they helped people. Like you said, though, now it's time to, we got to take this up. We have to amp this up one more. And so now we're talking about racism. We are getting into these things. These were not things that you very pointedly spoke about before. Like you said, you didn't share these private stories. You didn't really, you know, as an African-American woman who was a trainer in an organization that I was part of, which is a predominantly white woman organization, you never brought those things to the table. You brought diversity, you brought inclusion, you brought how can we expand, make the tables bigger? How can we have different viewpoints, which is all exceedingly helpful, but now it's a different conversation. And so for you to make that change, it had to be frightening. It had to be a little scary. And I know I've seen you posted post several times about the new Vicky, you know, the the 2020 Vicky, who I love just as much as the old, probably even more than the old Vicky. So fear not, at least with, with this person, you're still tops for me. But I'm sure that was scary. I'm sure putting yourself out there and sharing these stories it's different than just doing the training. So how have you gotten yourself there? And how do you keep going? Because you are pushing out so much content right now. You are pushing out these Thursday night conversations, which we'll talk about in a minute so people can find out where to join into those if they're interested. But these Thursday night conversations, these interviews, the content that you're pushing out on your Facebook page, just this constant sharing you have to be exhausted. And how are you doing it all? Where's, all? where's this resilience coming from? Well, I will admit that I've got to figure this out because I'm still doing a lot of training. I'm still doing a lot of consulting. And now I'm doing this whole other, the let's talk about it and do something work. So it kind of feels like I have three jobs now. Mm-hmm. And um, it is, it's exhausting. The good news is I have two amazing people who are working with me specifically on the let's talk about it and do something. I, I mentioned Chayla Sanchez and Sharon Lavoy, who is just a, an amazing person that I met through my work in Delta leadership. Like I said, you, you never, you don't travel this world by yourself. Right. And, and, and one of the things I've learned is when people want to, to help, because I was one of those people, I can do it all by myself. I can do it. All, no, I can't. And so I have, people who are working with me, uh, but it does get tiring. First of all, I enjoy what I do and, I, and I, I like people. And so that helps. I'm not sure where the resilience is coming from. Um, I just kind of keep at it, you know, and I'm trying not to burn out. And Taylor and Sharon are helping me by saying, you know, blocking time. We, we're learning. I don't think any of us know how to live since March. We don't have a rhythm. None of us, we, you know, we don't have a rhythm. So we're going to, because we kept thinking it was going to be over, that this was temporary. You know, I realize now I may not be able to come out of these pajama pants till 2023. 
you know, until I can get a vaccine <laughs> or something. So I could be sitting, I mean, I got more than one pair. That's the good news. But I may be in this house for quite a while. So I got to figure out, you know, a new rhythm and I'm not there yet. So I'm going to be honest with you. So that's something that I'm, I have to really figure it out. But I do get excited about the work. I get excited about meeting new people, even though I'm meeting them in different ways. I'm excited when groups and companies want to take that next step and that I can be even a small part of that. And so that's what kind of keeps me energized. And I'm just so happy that people are willing to have these conversations. My thing is, it has to be for the life cycle of the people individually, as well as organizations and companies, not the news cycle. We don't need to be back here anymore. You know, with 50 years, we're back here again from where we were when I was a teenager. This makes no sense. As I've said, you know, this ain't my first time at this rodeo, but I want it to be my last time at this rodeo. I want it to be the last rodeo for all of us. Yeah. But, but it's going to take, it's not going to happen overnight. People are going to have to stick with it keep reading, keep learning, keep doing things like filling out their census form and voting and being okay with talking about this. You know, some of the companies I'm working with, they kind of had this thing is we don't talk about this at work, you know, except now we have to talk about this at work, you know, because people are hurting and people are bringing this to, to their work. Some people are scared and some people are defensive. And the main thing is to figure out how we can all live on this planet together and how I can understand your reality and you can understand mine. And I think that's why I've been so forthcoming about things that have happened to me in my past and in my family that I just started reliving with all of this. And I'm sharing things in a different way, as you said. That's really important to me. And maybe that's a part of my healing. And that's also a part of, of my journey your community on Facebook is over 6,000 people now. I mean, it, when I say it exploded, it exploded quickly. I was quickly. shocked. I was shocked. And to continue to put yourself out there in such a vulnerable way is very brave. And to share the gifts that you have inside in, in such an honest and open and reciprocal way, because you've made it very clear in that group. This is a place for everyone. We are imperfect people who are trying to find our way through this. You're going to be perhaps farther down the road than someone else. And we're going to respect everybody and where they are. And you've made such a safe community where people can come together and honestly reflect and honestly share and honestly learn. And that's the only way to do this. Because I'm trying. I only had to have one, as they call in the South, come to Jesus Facebook Live. You did. People were getting a little mean, you know, and kind of, that's what they call it in the South. We had to have a come to Jesus mm -hmm. meeting. We never had about Facebook Live before, but it was like, okay, people, we're not going to dehumanize each other. That's how we got in this situation. We're not going to be mean to each other. We're going to respect everybody's journey. And you just have to remember, because social media can bring out some of the, the not so nice in people. But I did have to do that. You know, I don't really like putting a hammer down. But I, I cannot stand people being disrespectful to other people, even in the name of anti-racism. I'm just not going to allow it. I don't have many barriers, but that's the disrespect, the name calling. I'm just not going to have it. That doesn't help advance. And it doesn't help advance anything. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. And people well, are having hard conversations with their family members about all of these topics because different generations and different people are in different ways. And the fact that they're willing to share that. And then people are sharing amazing resources that I never knew, you know, mm -hmm. books and articles and podcasts and all of that. So it's just been, wow, it's a learning community. 
It really is. And so that's actually a great segue because we are almost out of time, but I want just enough time to let you tell everybody, where can they find you? Where can they be part of that amazing community? How can they, you know, be part of Vicki's world here? Well, I invite everybody to go to Let's Talk About It and Do Something on Facebook or at Vicki Clark Consulting on Facebook uh, and join us Thursday nights. We're looking at the systemic issues around racism. So we, I do hope people will go to, you know, come to Let's Talk About It and do something and just share. You read an article, if you, I mean, uh, and even just a, a quote. I love the quotes. You know, there are people mm-hmm. who just put great quotes up and, and great pictures up and things like that. So I hope everybody uh, will join us. I just wanted to have a place where people could come and share. And then on Thursday nights, you know, we just have these conversations called, you know, how to show up and serve. You know, we, we just talk about things. And it's, it's, it's been very enlightening for me. It's been enlightening for all of us. Those interviews that you do on Thursday night are so interesting. And just so that people know, I will definitely put in the show notes how to get to all of those things quickly and easily so they can just click right through. But they can also watch them on demand. If they are part of the series, then they get a link to watch the on-demand version. So I know I have a a commitment on Thursday nights that prevents me from being there live, but I watch them on demand. And that's so informative and just so helpful. And the community group is great. So I encourage everybody to participate in that. Vicki, I love you. I love spending time with you. I could talk to you for another two hours. Oh, and we have. You, <laughs> and I'm so proud of what you are doing. You know, you and I go back a, a pretty good ways. And it's yeah. just been wonderful to watch, which, watch your evolution and to see and, and the fact that you're getting back to your music and, and, and what you so love. And so it's just mm-hmm. been, it, you know, I, I love that. And I think you don't know how honored I am to be a part, you know, of your podcast mm-hmm. and of your journey. So and I consider you a friend. Oh, you are definitely a friend of mine. And I hope that you will come back again. We could talk about so many other things in such time. more depth. And uh, so let's do this again. But for today, we're going to say thank you, Vicki. Have a great rest of your day. I appreciate okay. it. And, and one of the things that I say to people is just lead on because we're all yes. leaders. We're yes. all leaders and, and leader just means that you can impact somebody else's life. And we all have the ability to do that. So I'm going to say to you, lead on because you're doing such amazing work. And I'm going to say that to your listeners. And thank you so much, Becky. And anytime you want me back, I'll just put on another headband and some more pajama pants and I'm here. <laughs> I love it. That's terrific. Thank you, Vicki. Oh, thank you. Love you. I would love to hear what you thought of today's show. Did you get something valuable from it? If so, don't keep it a secret. Tell your friends and family. I want everyone to unleash their soul song because the world needs all our beautiful music. I'd also really appreciate if you subscribe to the show on iTunes, rate and review. You may not realize it, but that's the best way to help other people find the show. I hope you'll come visit with me at theintuneexperience.com. While you're there, download your free copy of Intune Insights, designed to inspire you to unleash your soul song. I'd also love to hear from you on Instagram at Unleash Your Soul Song. Shoot me a message. Let me know. What'd you think about the show? Tell me what you want to hear about and what you're struggling with so that I can craft shows that provide you with insights, inspiration, and the tools you need to venture on your own personal journey. Listen, this world is busy. Our days are really full and life is super distracting. We're pulled in so many different directions every day. And so I thank you for joining me here today. Have a great week. You and me, you and me, PNG.
Cause we haven't even touched our hearts